Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Matty Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. Lior Phillips here with This Must Be The Gig, your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Each and every week we bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names on this gigantic big spongy globe. We talk passion with our guests and we talk first concerts, we talk last concerts and everything in the Juicy Centre. This week, we're delighted to share a conversation with Sophie Allison of Soccer Mommy. I'd love to tour with My Bloody Valentine. Should they tour some more? Oh my God. After her wonderful 2018 album, Clean, blew away the indie rock scene with its assured songwriting and vibrant emotional grasp, Sophie and her band returned this past week with an even more propulsive Color Theory, a brand new record in three parts where each section matches a theme like mortality or doubt to a specific color. In addition to the roots of this incredible new record, Sophie and I discussed the magical art of finding the right lunch spot in the middle of nowhere while on tour, downloading Kelly Clarkson, opening for Casey Musgraves, getting to touch Hilary Duff's hand and so much more. Be sure to stick around for the live show of the week brought to you by StubHub. We're also going to share a preview of Color Theory with the song Night Swimming. But in the meantime, let us not be delayed. This is me and Soccer Mommy. Enjoy!
we like really go hard on finding the restaurants off of the interstate, like finding some like five star Yelp review right. place in the middle of nowhere. Like we go really insane on that. It takes like 30 minutes, you know, like to plan out where we're going to stop when I'm in the car and I'm like looking, I'm just yeah. searching, Yeah, you know, I'm like trying to find something that looks like it's going to fulfill me. Um, you know, that's one of the only joys you have on tour, like simple joys is like finding a good place to eat. It's like one of the only like really great things you can do in the day. Cause everything else is like the exact same thing you're doing every day. But right. like lunch is like, and you know, dinner is also, you kind of like end up eating something near the venue, but lunch is like the one thing you can do on tour where it's like, okay, you guys, this is it. This is our this is our day. By one chance. Right now. <laughs> is this one experience that we're gonna remember if it's good. So, you know, I, I just kinda look for that. That's yeah, no, it's it's good. Like I just kinda look for that and I usually am like trying just like to get some vegetables and like I definitely won't allow myself to have like a cheeseburger twice in a day or right. something. Like, right. you know, something like that. It sounds cliche, but it, the truth is, is that if you can control one aspect of the touring, having that moment or the 30 minutes to Yelp, and then obviously the, you're becoming like some sort of human robot ag aggregator going through Yelp and like figuring out like if somebody's review sounds, to, you know, in your voice. Or... Yeah, no, you become like this, like, you become, become this like professional at finding good food in the middle of nowhere I think like and that's like the stuff you remember you know later like but you remember the show like a great show obviously um but that's the other stuff you remember from tour is like like for example my birthday last year I remember we were in Switzerland and we had like fondue at this place in the woods oh my gosh and like went for like a hike and it was great. What? It was a great day. And look at that. You remember it a year yeah, later. Yeah, I'm going to remember that forever. <laughs> but that does wonders not only because you – I think there's this weird expectation for a band. It's like – I think it's for everybody. It's like if you're traveling, you've got to make the most of it because you might never be in that place again, which is true. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you don't have complete autonomy over your own schedule. You know, things change, yeah. you might be doing local press or you might just be tired or want time off or what have you or need to rehearse, you know, whatever kind of comes up. So making that like memory, I suppose, is so helpful for the rest of the, you know, just mental, mentally and emotionally. I think it's just crucial. Yeah. After a while, too, you start coming back around, you know you're back on tour and you're like, we have to stop at this random town between right. <laughs> Spokane and Seattle where we can get this really good sandwich. Yeah. You know, it kind of becomes a thing where eventually you're just eating good all the time. Oh, I love that. Even though you're kind of like living off of like, you know, you're living this like kind of broken down life through like a van, <laughs> but you're like kind of, you know, you've got, you got the class. Yeah, Element. you got the class, exactly. You, you got, got the, the Yelp class. You got the the culture in there. <laughs> but so, are there? Is there anything other than that that you find really comforting? Because I think everybody's so different on tour that they need certain things. And I'm sure as you, you know, are, are releasing different albums and as you growing and you know getting to go to more places, touring with more bands everything will shift but is there something that you particularly need other than really good wholesome food is there something else that you really need on tour I think one thing you know I try to bring everything I need really with me um I I love to like if I like the best feeling on tour is like when you're out of something and you're like oh my god and you like go to like a target <laughs> And you're just going crazy in there. You know, you go to like a Walgreens, mm. something like that. And you're just kind of going insane yeah. in this Walgreens, grabbing all these things like you don't need. But yeah, five like you remember models. from home. Yeah, that's the main one. I feel like honestly, even like a Starbucks can be one. Like when you haven't like had like anything but like hotel coffee right. in the morning, like a day and you're like stopped somewhere and there's a Starbucks can be kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, because it's that um, familiarity, I guess. You know, like you're going to a yes. place that's kind of like homely. You know it. You, there's no surprises. You know what to expect. 
<laughs> oh, I know one, Zaxby's. Okay. What? That's a huge one for me. What and is that? What? I feel like no one else in the band. It's a chicken place. Oh. <laughs> it's a chicken place. Oh it's in like the south. It's in a very limited amount of the world. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not in all of the U.S. No. So sometimes if we see one, no one usually wants to go with me. Why? Is it, is it at this point? Is it divey? Is it dodgy? What is it? No, it's like, I mean, it's like fast food. Okay. It's like a, you know. It's it's like going to like a like Sonic or like Chick Fil A or something. But wait, are your band um, like elitist to fast food? Like what? they're not even elitist. They just don't want. They just don't see it in the same lens that I do. Right. Yeah. You know they they eat McDonald's like <laughs> pretty much every night. I love how you and spilling I don't. The but then when I want to go to Zaxby's, I I treat Zaxby's like it's like a regular restaurant. Yes. Like I don't even see it as fast food. Well, something that love you love it. becomes classy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like some... that, that is Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's is the other one on tour. Where it's oh, like, my God. That's kind of like a treat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it reminds you of home. It's just like a nice treat you can you can land on. Yeah. I think makeup stores, too, yeah. are a good one. Oh, like yes. That's a great one. Oh, yeah. Also because it's so relaxing because you get to, like, just yeah, run to so... the aisles. It's so such a good vibe, and you don't have to buy anything. You're just looking no. at all this makeup, and you could try trying on. stuff on your hands. <laughs> on the back you know, of you're your in head. some shopping mall in the middle of nowhere. Do but, you yeah. pretend to put on like a concerned "I'm going to buy this face," or do you not have any guilt trying things on? I think I oh I have no guilt. Oh but my god! <laughs> I also usually end up if I like it, then I'm going to end up okay. buying it like you impulsively. Like you know, I'm not even going to go in there really if I, if I can't be allowed, okay, uh, financially by myself to right. buy something. <laughs> I sometimes feel like if I'm bored or I need like a little bit of a break and I go into a makeup store, I just know I'm probably not going to buy anything that day. Um, and I try a bunch of things on, but I have to pretend like I'm interested. Otherwise, I feel like they'll You're look like, at oh. me. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I put something on my arm and I'm like, look around and I do this nod of approval. Like, oh, this, <laughs> this looks good. You're like, actually, this didn't work for me. <laughs> no, so color doesn't suit my skin tone. Um, <laughs> but what, so do you, I think we, we spoke about it a little bit last time about like laundry and doing laundry on tour. So how do you figure out what you're wearing to make sure that you're not like stuck with wearing the same thing over and over? And or how do you feel about the hygiene? I try to stay extremely clean. Yeah, good. <laughs> so as for a personal <laughs> preference. Um, but we also usually like we get laundry pretty often. Um, I feel like on tour because we like, you know, a lot of hotels have it now and like Airbnbs and stuff like that have it. So um, it's not as hard to find laundry as it was when I started touring, which was like, you know, just a couple years ago, like then it was like, we didn't get laundry on most tours, uh, cause we were like, you know, really broke. Yeah. <laughs> so we weren't staying in like the medium level right. places Until. where like they have those kind of amenities. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, here's the thing is I'm going to end up wearing the same three outfits. Yeah over and over again, no matter how much clothes I brought. So I always have clean clothes. If it like starts to get, you know, this clothes, I'm starting to like, these are dirty now. These are dirty. Then I'm just like, I can switch into something else. But um, yeah, so you kind of, you kind of can like wear these same couple outfits and then wash them and like wear a new one while they're all washing and flip back to the old stuff. Yeah, I th I know it's a weird question, but I think like a lot of bands that I've spoken to, like as you said, those amenities are not available to everybody. So even if there were was laundry, sometimes you're playing a show in one city, and then the, you know seven hours later you're playing a show in another city, so you don't really have time to do laundry and things like that. So you have to plan and pre-plan. Yeah, no, I mean I think the I think the main thing is the main thing is you just bring like. Because the thing you really need to keep clean is like socks and underwear. Yeah, yes, that's the big thing. You know, I mean, that's you don't just need a that many rule. pairs of pants. Yeah, <laughs> like you don't need that many pairs of pants. So your your like laundry or your uh, your wardrobe that you bring, yeah, should be like fifty percent 
socks and underwear. Yes. And then like, you know, a couple, a couple bottoms in there and then a bunch of shirts. Yeah. And that kind of like, that keeps you from like ever reaching this bad place of, (laughs) of just like having no clothes and having no underwear and like, so much can go wrong. Yeah. It can be so bad. I've like hand washed. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) In like a sink. Oh. With a soap bar. Oh my god, me too. I do that especially when I'm traveling and covering festivals. Yeah, that is that is some like last last resort shit. <laughs> bot, like last scenario, <laughs> like. But you do you have to do it very occasionally, very yeah. rarely. You're like washing some shorts. Yeah. In, a... <laughs> in like, and then hanging it in the in the yeah. bathroom. Oh god, and it's not a weird sight to see. I think it's pretty on boots on the ground. But what has gone wrong on tour that you couldn't account for? Because obviously things have changed so quickly for not only you as a band, um, but also the industry in general with touring. Mm-hmm. So what what is the has anything gone spectacularly wrong for you whilst you've been on tour or on stage? I feel like the the big tour things that have been like, oh, this is like, yeah, we're fucked, has been uh, like just van issues, especially I haven't had like my van has been very good to me, but there have been multiple times where we've gotten like stuck on ice and you just can't even do anything in a van when it's there's ice on the roads and you're in like Montana. You just can't drive like there's no like putting chains on like you can't do it. And the first time we had that happen, I did not, like, know that, really. Like, none of us had ever – it was, I think, our first tour with the van. Oh, my God. Um, and it was just, like, we, you know, we're kind of, like, some, like, very mild sliding during the day. So we, like, pulled into this bar, and <laughs> we were, like, trying to just chill there for a little bit and let it, like, get better. And um, my mom was, like, so worried. She I'm called sure. the, like, the sheriff of this town <laughs> that we're in, in the middle of nowhere, and is, like, telling them to come, like, help us. And is, like, okay, they're on the way. And we were all kind of, like, okay, uh, I guess we'll just, like, we can't go anywhere. So I yeah. guess we'll wait here for them, even though this is, like, I don't know what they could do besides, like, oh tow God. us or, you know, drive us to a hotel somewhere but we were in the smallest town like they didn't really have any hotels so um they got there and they basically were just like yeah like you should just like drive it yeah just you should go just try it. to drive it oh my god and I was kind of like are you sure because like we really like weren't having very much luck yeah without sliding and like you know if we slide and wreck yeah that's it yeah and someone could be hurt, and the van will be fucked up. Right. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, just, I think you'll be fine now. Like, we just came from that direction. I think you'll be fine. And we get, like, 10 minutes down the road, in, and now it's, like, night, too, and are sliding a bunch. And I was just like, no, I'm sorry. Like, we're not doing this. Like, this is not, like, we can't even get 10 miles without, like, sliding in the middle of the roads. And there's a bunch of people out here going really fast in small oh. cars, like, there's no chance we're going to make it 40 miles. No. So we're like, we pulled off the road and we ended up like getting a tow and having to tow oh, our car, great. like, like 50 miles or something, oh um, which was like, you know, kind of expensive. Yeah. Uh, but it was just like better than wrecking our of car. Course. And, uh, um, yeah. and then my, my mom had the, the, uh, like the sheriff that talked to us. Apparently she was like yelling at them oh. on the phone, Go <laughs> like mom. just like yeah. calling them, yelling them, and they like called me like apologize, like they were being like, "Good, we're like sorry that we told you to drive. Your mom talked to us," <laughs> and and I was just like, "I mean, I don't care." I, like to yeah. these like people, I was just like, "I mean, I really don't care." Like you made me seem like an idiot for not yes, driving and exactly. it doesn't matter at all because I'm stuck here Yeah, waiting on a tow truck for the next like 40 minutes while the guys all sleep in the back. So yeah. it doesn't really matter. Oh my God. <laughs> I was well, like, I don't really like, care. Super mom. I mean, thankfully she was there yeah, to, to I know. save <laughs> you. 
<laughs> so I she like of... really thought she could fix it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she kind of she nearly did. So she was she, yeah, was, she's she was looking out. You know, she was close. Yeah. <laughs> I applaud her on her attempts. I kind of want your mom to also just be doing that for me too. She can just be. Yeah, I mean, she, it's just funny she wasn't even there. And yeah, she's calling and these she's people in like Custer, Montana, or something, <laughs> and like harassing the that's police great. station. When that I'm being like, I don't want police angel. coming out here. No, that's a I'm like, I don't want angel. police coming anywhere near us. Like, <laughs> yeah. please don't. And she's like, they're gonna help you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. Pause the podcast. It's time to step away just momentarily from our conversation with Saka Mommy. <laughs> with Saka Mommy ever so briefly to share a little something engineer Adam and I like to call the live, live show, show of, of the, the week. week. Every single week we highlight one of the most exciting events that we can find out there and we share it with you, our pod people listening, so you can go to the concert. I'm going to keep talking like this. So this week we are highlighting a performance from our old buddy, Z, our old friend, Z. They might be giants at the Vic Theatre in Chicago on Friday, March 6th. In case you missed it, we had the wonderful John Linnell on our show two years ago. And what? Oh, yeah, it's true. It was 2018. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they might be... Two years old. Two years old. Wow. That's two one of my years ago. One of my favorite episodes. One of my favorite episodes. Yeah. We should release that episode. We, we'll we'll also bring it to your attention. So be sure to go back and take a listen to that. And with this being a part of their 30th anniversary tour for the breathtaking flood, that means they'll be playing the album in full. And if you want to get in on the excitement of that show or any other event out there, you can always head over to StubHub via cosradio.lv slash StubHub to find the best selection of tickets to all of the hottest shows. One more time, that's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. And while we're talking about important things you must do while you're on the internet. Ooh, I have another thing to oh, add yeah, to the list. Oh, yeah, what is it? What's the other thing no, you should do? No, I'll do it oh, after, we'll do it after you okay. do this. Okay. You must. What do you want to say? You must head to Apple Podcasts, to Stitcher, to Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast right this very moment. Go there, subscribe, rate, and review five stars immediately. Do it now. Do it now. Also, we just um, so that I've got three important things. Three important things. The first important thing, yes, is that we recently found our Instagram password. <laughs> <laughs> one may laugh. It's a professional ship one, we're running here. <laughs> one one may laugh and hoot and howl, but it's been a long road. Mm -hmm. We found it, so we're back. We Follow back. us on Instagram. We back and we back and This we back. must be the gig. The next thing after is that we found our Gmail password. <laughs> so send us an email at thismustbethegig at gmail.com. Third thing is... What's the third thing? This Friday, we are launching This Must Be The Jig. Ah! Our Spotify playlists linked to... That we're going to release every Friday linked to the artist's that we have on the show or the guests that we have on the show Absolutely. and complimentary songs that we think goes with their music in addition things to they, things that they things they mention on mention. the interview in influences first concerts we'll pick songs from those artists we'll pick songs from the artist in question are we gonna pick songs from the oh that's a good idea hey. <laughs> yeah all right yeah all right. Okay. i believe I think that's all. But it's really exciting. So keep your ears and your hearts locked in on our socials because every Friday we'll be posting the playlist and you can share that with your beloveds. I wish it was a proper cassette tape. Mm. That would make me really happy. That'll but be the, that'll if be I the can Patreon do it like a milkman, oh, I can yeah. deliver it to people's houses. Yeah, I like that. We'll get you a uniform. Or like a paper boy. I don't want a uniform. I just want to throw things at people's houses. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? Nope. But let us return to this week's wonderful interview. Back to me and Soccer Mommy. Enjoy. But what was that earliest, earliest memory of music for you when you first heard something that 
it maybe didn't spark uh, an idea that you wanted to go into it, but something that you, when you heard music, you knew, right, that's something I connect to, that I have an affinity towards that. I think the earliest, the earliest memories I have of like really liking music, you know, it's not one specific time. It's just more the, I constantly, like when I would get in the car with my dad, wanted to listen to CDs. Specifically, like I loved, he had a, um, like a compilation CD of like the greatest hits for the who. Yeah. And I remember really liking that. Um, and I also really liked like his Springsteen CDs and that was just like kind of the stuff that I'd always say, play that song that I like, like when I was like six years old. Um, you know, and after that I started like finding my own music that was more for like people my age and my generation. Um, and there's a lot of those kind of artists that stick with me too. Like I remember my, my very first, like when I got an iTunes account, um, <laughs> my very first, like we, me and my sister both had Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson and Fly yeah. by Hilary Duff. Those were like the first, we like bought those with like, you know, we spent like $2. Yeah, we each got to pick one, I think. Yeah. And we had those in our library and so those were, those were oh like, God, that really so encapsulates like some of the early stuff I really loved. But I mean, pop music is great. I think that especially because mm-hmm. of tapping into emotions, there's a, it's a nice little portal to get you into a place where you can feel comfy that, okay, I can feel, I can be human. You know, it's like a safe space to feel a lot. It's not, you know, it's not yeah. telling you to be a certain way. And most of the time, the melody is uplifting enough, you know, so mm-hmm. it sets a totally. tone. What is like the last song that made you cry? I feel like I haven't cried maybe even like once since I started Mood Stabilizer. <laughs> I don't know that I can anymore. Oh, no. I don't know that the water can come water out. Can... <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember a time I've cried in the last like two months that I have nothing is coming to mind. I've been very upset. But there's never been tears. Um, but I mean, that's that's progress. Yeah, that's a I good think thing. it's overall good. Yeah. Um, I'm trying. Like I, maybe maybe I can do the last song I've listened to that has made me cry before. Um, I I really I listened to "Bury Me at Makeout Creek" the other day. Oh. And I was listening to "Drunk Walk Home," and that one got almost got me there. You know, oh my God, out of anger. That's an uh, yeah. angry cry. Uh, yeah, that's like more of an upset, Splitting. like angry at yeah. like at like a man. You know, that's like that kind of energy. Um, but that one always makes me feel something, oh <laughs> even if I'm like totally numb to emotion. Yeah, but tell me a little bit about then, like growing up in. Obviously, as an outsider, I I know like Nashville for obviously country music and the glitz and the glamour. Like that's the appearance that it has to an outsider. But was there a mm-hmm. sort of like indie DIY world where you were involved in that? Or like how much of the Nashville scene did you feel connected to? Um, I mean, I, I was definitely involved in the scene. I mean, I think there's so many different scenes going in Nashville. It's like New York or something where, you know, the scenes aren't all necessarily connected. And it's not all the same people. There may be some overlap, but there's like a lot of different stuff going on in the city. And I mean, it's on a smaller scale, of course. Obviously, country's huge in Nashville. I feel like like garage rock and psych rock kind of stuff, like a lot of like 70s stuff can be like at least it's it may not be as big as it was a couple years ago but there was definitely a time where it was huge down here um and that was kind of around the time when I was in high school and I was like getting involved in the scene so I was you know I was listening to a lot of like garage rock and punk music and kind of like psych stuff grungy stuff yeah did that help you with your performance style like did you get to watch those shows and feel like okay I can I feel a little bit more confident or I can learn from that like how did you transition from starting to play music and then going into performance and I suppose what I'm wondering is really how that scene allowed you to do it well I've been kind of performing my whole life like I feel like I've because I live in Nashville and because like you know there's all these like 
things about like kids doing music in school and like um you know there's a lot there's a big push for kids to get into music so I've performed a lot before I ever had like a project of music that I was like trying to promote right Um, whether it was like playing jazz music or like you know playing in a swing band with my school or just like playing little gigs like a coffee shop or something like little you know there's just here and there I did a lot of that stuff but I I wasn't comfortable like being in front of like a leader of a band or something and um you know I think it I think it helped to see like a lot of people my age like in high school in their own bands like playing shows and having a bunch of people come out and especially like I don't know there's a lot of energy and like punk and garage rock shows (laughs) obviously like there's a lot of energy from the audience and like um you know it makes it like feel like someone's actually performing and I think watching that did help me it's not it doesn't reflect the style of performance I do very much but um yeah I mean it you know it's helpful to see people young people like doing shit like playing shows in bands and um you know kind of being someone being at the front of that and it was a lot of young kids and there's a lot of people I went to school with there's a lot of people I went to high school with so
competition or sense of that like because it just sounds kind of like an idyllic world really because not a lot of schools do push music around the world music isn't it's kind of this thing that they put into lay lump into the scene of arts you know so it's not given it's not given the attention it probably should be given because as we all know Mm -hmm. how transformative music is or can be when you study it but so how was it was a lot of competition with like who's gonna sing or who's going to make it or was it really this like nice sense of community I mean I I think you know there's there's some level of competition like I feel like um there were kids who probably wanted to do it and didn't ever get to do it um but there was so much there's a lot of room for people because at the time it's not really necessarily totally the same in Nashville right now because we kind of lost like a bunch of our venues in like it must have been like 2017, maybe even 2018. Wow. Um, like a lot of the DIY venues like just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, because happens. of like it was after the ghost ship stuff in LA, like the fire fire marshals were cracking down a lot. Wow. Um, and some you know some are back. There's a couple new ones too, so it's not like there's nothing. But I feel like when I was in high school, there was just like there was shows every weekend, like every night of the weekend like and shows during the week (laughs) and it was just like you know like your friend's band was probably playing a lot uh and had a bunch of people coming out and it didn't even you know they didn't have to have music out in the world it was just about partially about you know it was a bunch of high school kids that all knew each other for one um and it was also like just kind of word of mouth I guess around like around town amongst the young people so I feel like there were yeah but there was a ton of venues and there was like if somebody wanted to like make a band for one show they probably could do it yeah uh if they like you know if they were in the if they were in the crowd of like (laughs) of music people but you know I'm sure there are tons of people who wanted to do that and like couldn't do that because they didn't really know anyone but it sounds so thrilling and like do do you do you remember that very first concert that you ever played? The one that was you fronting the band, you performing to a crowd, potentially playing, uh, paying or not paying, um, but where you were the center, um, you know, on stage. Do yeah, you remember that. Um, I do. I do remember the first. I mean, I had played one show as Soccer Mommy in New York, like as a solo mm-hmm. or a duo, actually, with me and a, another guitar player. That was like way way smaller, but when I was in Nashville and uh, for Four Young Hearts when that came out, I like had my friends um, who had like who eventually like recorded on Collection with me. Um, I got some friends together and we learned like a set and played at a pizza place yeah. outside. <laughs> um, it's like an outdoor show on the deck of like yeah. a pizza place, um, and I was like, you know. I like we booked it and like got some of our friends to open it and that was that was the first time that it was like you know this big show that I had like put on for something and like I was headlining um and it was great you know it was really fun I mean like a ton of people came out just because like the people in the community like even if they hadn't heard my music uh just kind of like support people they know when they're like trying to their band is playing um you know, partially because it's just something fun to do on like a Friday night. So. Right, right. And also partially because they, people really wanted to hear music. So, um, yeah, that was the first, that was the first big time. It was, I think it was summer 2016. Oh my gosh. So you were, how, how was that performance? Do you remember the feeling of it? Do you remember 
the actual, you know, the emotional attachment to that performance? Um, you know, I remember it being really fun and exciting. Uh, but it was also like, you know, I definitely couldn't like hear myself singing or anything, <laughs> but I didn't care right. at the time. You know, if I played that show again, I'd probably be like, that was a terrible, that was a terrible show. It was a terrible set. Where you just couldn't hear yourself because you didn't, you didn't check the monitors or you just, it just Well, wasn't... I mean, you just can't even get them loud enough at like yeah. a, you know, when you're like, there's no way, because it was, we kind of play a loud set. Uh, you know, we're not like really a soft band, especially around the time of, of that release, like with songs like Try that were like a little bit more rock leaning. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely loud, but I, I felt, I remember feeling really good about it and feeling like we played well and it went really well, That's amazing. Um, you know, and being like, this is a beginner like set, like this isn't perfect, but just being excited that I was finally doing it. Like was really, it did really didn't matter how it went. It was just like that. I was excited that I was finally doing it and a ton of people came out. And actually, like, we're interested to see it. Yeah, you can't have you can't have a better setup. Do you? So, yeah. do you remember the first show you ever saw, the first concert you ever went to? I do. Um, it was a Hillary Duff concert <laughs> when I was like seven. That's amazing. I think I was seven years old. Uh, it was at like an arena. I actually touched her hand. What is that? How like, close you came, were? Like, I I was like really I was like seventh row on the what? floor. So I like, you know, I ran up and like touched her hand <laughs> during a song. Um, and my sister was with me too, and my dad. And yeah, I mean, it was amazing. I was so excited. It was like such a big deal, you know, being like a seven year old, being like, I'm going to a concert tonight. Yeah, it's a huge deal. Like, it's like mind melting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, and you touched your like, head. It feels like the biggest <laughs> thing in your life when you go to like a concert, like a giant pop concert. When you're like seven years old, you're like, I'm going out. I've got my glow stick. <laughs> I have got everything I need. <laughs> I have my clean hands so I can reach out and touch somebody. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Since obviously 2016, you've toured with such a variety of impressive names like Stephen Malkmus and obviously Liz Fair. Oh my gosh, I'm just trying to think. who Casey Musgraves. Mm-hmm. Now looking back at all of this in relation, like, do you have a favorite tour that you've been on, or maybe somebody that you've had the most fun with? Oh, you also opened for Paramore. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, we also opened for Paramore. Oh my god, we just did Vampire Weekend too. Oh my god, I mean, um, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard. They've all been like really fun. I think I think one of the ones that I was just having a really good time on, uh. You know, and also the band was like amazing, and I thought the show was great every night. I thought the the first time we toured with Casey in Europe was like just like really fun. It just kind of like went like it was just like I felt like we were playing really well. We were all like having a good time. No one was like you know kind of going through anything that made them like a little down at all. Um, and it just seemed like everyone was in a really good mood. My sister came because yeah. she was in London. So she followed us for a little bit of it. Um, it was great. That was like one that I, I always remember just being like extremely fun. Do you send your sister like your songs when you finish writing them? Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it sounds no, like no. you found the nor two. Did you... she my, nor did she send me hers. Well, um, you you know? said, yeah. Because you just sound like you, a lot of your first musical experiences obviously have her in them, in the memories. So I wanted to know how much she was a part of that too. She did actually play in Soccer Mommy for a couple tours. Yes, she played bass on a couple tours. So she's she's been involved for sure. Pause the podcast. Pause the podcast. Are you looking at a calendar full of great events but struggling to find tickets? StubHub's gotcha. Whatever your favorite band, team, or venue, StubHub is here to save the day with the best tickets for any budget. Whether you're looking for a seat at a Broadway show, tickets to the summer's big arena tour, or a night of cheering on your hometown team, StubHub has the seats you're looking for at the price you want to pay. Head to cosradio.lv StubHub or their user-friendly app to find tickets that are 100% guaranteed by FanProtect. 
StubHub's never sold out with the most shows, the most tickets, and the most fans. So head on over to cosradio.lv slash StubHub or the StubHub app. The best tickets to the best experiences in music, sports, and theater. That's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. Do you feel like all the people that you've toured with so far, do you feel like they've... Because uh, obviously sometimes when you meet somebody, you don't know what you're meeting them for, like this divine idea in the universe, right? So mm-hmm. you spend a lot yeah. of time with that person, but you don't really know if there's going to be lessons or what have you. You're just spending the time. So do you think about touring now with bands, especially ones that you know you can learn from? How curious are you really about how different musicians work? Or fellow musicians. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally interested, especially like touring with a bigger band, like getting to see how they tour, you know, like see how they tour and how they play live and how they, you know, even how they sound check and like how they prepare for a show. And, and, and I think like you can really learn from watching bigger bands play every night how to arrange a song. Like you can think like, wow, that's really cool how this person is like, covering this kind of like range of frequency like on their instrument and then there are other people doing the lower lower end stuff and like kind of filling it out in different ways like and you know you notice when a song like thins out and a bunch of people drop out and then it builds builds back in and it feels like really good because it feels like this big swell in the yes. music and um, intentional yeah. So, yeah yeah exactly so I mean I think that's like the part I'm most interested in is just like kind of continuing to learn to be a better uh, arranger. But do do you have any songs of your own? Because I know I saw a show that listed the X Files theme song as music that you used to walk onto stage. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. <laughs> What? Wait, why? I mean, I know last time. So obviously for whoever's listening to this, eventually um, we had a chat for Grammys.com and that would be out already by the time this comes out. And I know we chatted about paranormal activity and what is happening in your room. Um, mm-hmm. But why the X-Files? What? Honestly, the reason we started doing the X-Files theme was because at the time I was rewatching X Files. Okay. And I was okay. like playing it on a lot of the like on like like in the living room at like our <laughs> hotel or whatever. Um and my tour manager was like, let's just walk out to this and I was like, that is a great idea. Yeah. And then we kind of switched it between that and the goosebumps theme. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you have for the upcoming tour? Because I know you head out on the in March you head out at the end of March on the 26th mm-hmm. so what are you going to do are you going to just wing it I, I don't know yet I don't know yet I'm going to pick something that I haven't so I think excited. I'm trying to get some visuals together so I might find Ooh. a song that like times really well with the visuals okay because um, we've had other walkouts before uh, but these have been going for a second so it might be time to pick a new one talking about all the people that you've played with is there anyone I don't want to ask like what is your dream artist to play with because I'm sure the list is really long but is there anyone that you currently are listening to that you just know that you're either going to like learn a lot from or your music just meshes well with them like who is who is a band that you would really love to to tour with I feel like a lot of the people that I would like to tour with, like our music doesn't even mesh that well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I would, I'd love to tour with like this, like these are all kind of getting into the long shot region now yeah, because I've no, toured let, with a bunch of people me. that I love. Yeah. Um, I'd love to tour with My Bloody Valentine. Uh, Should they tour some more? Oh my God. <laughs> I'd love to open ah. for them. I'd love to open for Yola Tango. Oh. That's another one that I've like wanted to open for for a long time, which is a little less of like, you know, they do tours. That's a little less of a a reach. Um, Have you seen My Bloody Valentine live? Have you seen them in concert? I haven't. No, I want to. You don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) I, I saw them. I probably got it somewhere on my desk now, but I saw them many, many years ago in London in like 2000 and four or something as you walked into the venue they hand you um earplugs because obviously they're gonna blow your ears off and it's honestly feels like you're just getting sucked into the ground 
That's how you feel. I love that. The whole time. Oh. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. Now you want to be sucked into the ground. I mean, I feel like there's so many dream artists, but I feel like that's also, as you said, maybe there's like a mystery around the fact that, you know, obviously they don't tour often and uh-huh. haven't. So, oh. but you have had a good run with who you've toured with so far, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And I feel like everyone you know, I named before got, yeah. got it. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So, so this now, is just manifestation. Now I have to think of all the further ones. Like, <laughs> absolutely. So, do you do you have a certain thing that you need in order to perform, like a ritual, or maybe that sounds silly, but maybe something that you're needing. Maybe it's a it's a moment prior to getting on stage, or like what are the little things that you need in order to make sure that at least you've covered those bases you going to have a good show yeah I start with I mean I have to like warm up my voice it's kind of a main thing um and usually I think one thing that helps me with the social element (laughs) of like having to talk to people uh is which kind of gets weirder and weirder the bigger the venue is because it's these people that are further they're further and further away and then it's just like way less natural to like talk to people um I I usually take like a shot or two right before right before we go of out. Of what? Of just anything? Whiskey. Uh, Woodford, Woodford Reserve. Bourbon. <laughs> so you take a shot or two, and then you can yeah, be, so, belt you know, your sometimes voice. Sometimes I, I drink a little before, too, but I never try. I try to never be drunk. Okay. Unless I'm in Boston. <laughs> what? I, they just, they're just fun. Okay. <laughs> they just, is, I just have a good time, so. Is, is that the best of, place usually, you played? In Boston. I mean, I don't know if it's the best place I have played, but I just always had fun at the shows there, and I always get kind of drunk, and it's usually at the end of a tour for some reason, and I always get like a little bit drunk, and I'm just like, this is great. <laughs> I love These my guys life. are great. <laughs> this is so fun. Um, <laughs> and when I, whenever I've done that anywhere else, I feel like it hasn't gone as well. I've just right. been like, kind of felt uncomfortable. Uh yeah, well, things can get unfamiliar, I suppose, and that's familiar for you now. So that's like a, you know, that's a place that you know that you can just like let your hair down, have fun. You've done it before. Um, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And so just talking about your album, I, obviously, I just think it's the most, I think I gushed about it last time, but it's really just astoundingly beautiful. It's kind of mesmerizing. But did you find yourself gravitating on this one towards certain phrasing or so certain words, because I know that obviously with songwriting, that's so important, but is that something that came into play in this album? Um, I mean, not like, not intensely. I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I'm naturally drawn towards in the sense of imagery. Um, so, I mean, I feel like I've talked, you know, there are lots of songs which I talk about like water um, and stuff like that. And like a lot of stuff where I talked about nature. Um, and I think that's something that obviously continued on this record, like with a song like Bloodstream or Night Swimming, you know, it's kind of touching on these like kind of nature surroundings um, and that kind of, you know, give a seasonal feel and kind of paint a picture a little bit. So that's something I feel like I tend to do a lot. But um, other than that, there wasn't any like specific things I wanted to like kind of like repeat over the course of the album. Um, you know, maybe once once or twice I did it, but there's nothing I was intentionally trying to like bring back over and over. Is there some sort of thing? Because obviously you and the guitar are still really at the heart of the album, but it's got these really stunning layers. So when you are image, when you are using that imagery in order to write, do you find that that affects the actual composition? You know, when you're writing it, the melodic composition, do you find that that also helps bring more layers? Once you're you're defining an idea and defining a story, do you find that it affects that at all? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like that's, you know, that's a huge part of it. The the melody has to, like, match the energy as well as the chords. You know, it all has to, like, have a feeling to it before you even get into the words. And that's kind of how I write, too, is I usually start with chords and then melody and then start kind of becoming like coming up with the lyrics as I have that, you know, in the sense of this melody. Um, Cause I don't like to write lyrics without a melody in mind because it messes up the like cadence of it, 
you know, if you try to fit things into a melody that's not like already like, you know, you can kind of tell when something's been written as like a bunch of lyrics and then right. someone's throwing them into a melody. It doesn't feel natural. Um, so I kind of try to like to build the, the lyrics after I have the vibe and kind of get the inspiration for what I'm talking about from the energy that the melody and chords gives off. Do you have a favorite chord? Because obviously I think, you know, just talking about like what makes a great guitar record, I think what's so fascinating is you know speaking to somebody who you have such a clear defined idea of what you, well, at least of what you sound like and what you, your intention is. So is there a favorite chord that you start when you start writing a song you start with? Um, I feel like a lot of times, I, it's not necessarily a chord that I start on, but I start in the key of like A or E. Okay. Like A, E, D is kind of where I my voice feels comfortable. So a lot of times I'm st- like when I'm just kind of messing around with something, trying to create a, uh, like a chord progression, it starts on like an A. Okay. Or a D or something. Like an open D. Um, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But I don't know that it's my favorite necessarily. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of the chords that are my favorites, I don't even know what the name for them are at this yeah. point <laughs> because I've like, they I've been magic. doing them in open tunings and yeah. they're just like completely, I have no clue what notes I'm playing. Um, I know what the bass is. I know what, like what the chord is. I can tell if it's like minor diminished or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know like what, what all is going on in there. But did you, where did it all come from? That Where did you learn it? Because I know that you've used your dad's guitar on some of the songs i remember on reading about it on was that on clean i don't know if you Mm -hmm. used it for this album um Mm -mm. but what did you learn it from your dad or was it again just from having that experience being going to rock camp having it at school you know having it around no i didn't learn it from anyone honestly like i i literally tried some tunings like you know once i started once i started playing songs in open d I was just putting my hands on the fret and shapes that were familiar to me and like hearing I love that. a chord, you know, either it was either it sounded bad and I knew I needed to move a finger a little bit or like, it's just stuff like that. And the same with open a, I completely had, you know, I didn't know how to play a single chord. I just was like messing around with it. I didn't like look up how to play any chords. I just found chords. I love that like you use that as the first starting point and then you attach the meaning and the lyrics to it because somebody maybe who didn't have a lot of experience with that might have started the other way around because you know you've written Mm -hmm. and you talk English and you speak and you watch movies and you know so you you can create a story but I love that you start there I find that you know it's like you have no fear (laughs) you know I mean unless you do I don't know I mean you sound so I don't know the best thing about you and if this is okay for me to say but it's you you have such a beautiful relationship with it like it sounds like you feel comfort through it you know it's not something that you yeah I think against. I always have yeah I just always have it's just something that I think people just wish they had you know because that connection to music is obviously why your songs are so dang good it's it's just amazing but do you feel obviously you mentioned night swimming earlier and I just think that that song is uh, speaking of layers I just adore it but what was then the inspiration for that song and how did you start writing that what was the what was the story behind that song um I mean I was partially thinking about a past relationship and just what how like things can fizzle I guess without you really even see like seeing things all along I guess that are like why you're not compatible with someone um and I was also thinking it in like relationship with my father too and like lots of different relationships where I see these differences in types of personalities and that can kind of be like where the reason you don't see eye to eye on things and in terms of just having that background kind of, I would say, noise in the beginning of the song and then it's kind of stopping, was that be- was that intentional so that you could carry on the idea just in terms of the composition? Yeah, I mean, well, I think that that part of the song, you know, the I didn't have this specific idea for like dropping out until we were like we were doing the production and Gabe like brought that in and I really liked it. But I mean, that's kind of the point where it all breaks down. Um, yeah into like this solitary moment for just like a second and then like all of the background noise can kind of swell back in 
And I feel like there's also just such a connection to family with these songs, of course, you know, which has been something that you've had on your previous albums and the idea of obviously being apart due to being on the road. I suppose what's interesting is that taking it then on the road, you know, these they have expectations, obviously, these songs from Mm -hmm. whomever will listen to them once the album comes out. So do you will you separate yourself from that sense of confessional, you know, like you've, you've, you've opened up your story and opened up your life. Do you separate yourself when you're performing? I mean, I, I don't think I separate myself necessarily from the stuff I'm singing about, but it loses its like intimacy, you know, or it, it loses the fact that it's like a secret to you once everyone knows about it and everyone can hear it and they don't even have to know you to think they know what's going on in your life. It's just not, it doesn't feel like it's part, like it's just, for you anymore um so it does become a little bit less personal but you're not ever worried about like being misunderstood you know you're not somebody obviously you you've written it in in terms of like a catharsis but you're not gonna go and feel it heavily every night I mean I don't even think it's cathartic for me you know I feel like there's like maybe my music is cathartic for other people but I don't feel like I've gotten anything out (laughs) <laughs> you know Wait, what, what I mean? Like I don't feel do like mean? I don't I don't feel like I wrote these songs and now like I have closure and I'm moving on and they're out of me so I don't not feeling them anymore. Um, you know, like I don't I just don't think it is as cathartic as people it's just more like just honest than cathartic. You know, it's just like about being honest with yourself. And that can help a little bit, but it's not getting rid of anything. Not right and it's so smart to say that as well because then you open yourself up to having the chance to just keep going through whatever you're needing to go through and then that being you know you you obviously it's not because I think that catharsis is such a strange word especially for women who play guitar music it's always like mm-hmm. oh this record is cathartic or whatever and that can potentially be somebody's experience which is wonderful but that's so interesting to hear that for you it's just you're just telling a story, right? Yeah. So what is it for you then, other than being honest? I mean, expression, you know, it's just expression. Like it's a way to, you know, express the things you're feeling uh, without talking about them. Right, <laughs> and, yes. Uh, it may, you know, it's not like cleansing yourself of these, like these feelings that have been plaguing you. It's just like being a little bit more open about them. Um, you know, and it's probably different for some people, but I personally just feel like it just inspires me to make it into poetry, I guess. Um, like, just think, I just think of, like, all these ways that um, to explain something I'm feeling. And I feel like the best way to capture it is, like, with words that can be, like, poetic and right. concise. And it helps me feel like I at least have something to like look to to like explain how I'm feeling and to know how I'm feeling Uh, but I don't think it like changes how I'm feeling is there a song that you feel especially off the new album you really are quite excited to play live that you haven't tried live yet because I know there's a few songs off the album that you've you've done uh, over the last year but is there anything off the album that you're really particularly excited about um, you know, there's a couple. I'm really excited about crawling oh. in my skin. Mm. Uh, I think the like arrangement that we have for that is going to be really cool. Um, try to like the coolest like ones that are like have really cool arrangements that are like that. And I'm excited about gray light as well because we're going to play that and it's like it's like we you know are bringing a lot of new stuff. Like gray light has a lot of like drum machines and stuff on it. We're going to incorporate that. Um, and kind of, you know, just like add a lot more layers and texture. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble. We'd like to thank Dean Berger and Daniel Brater for additional music, as well as the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. 
For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TMBTGPod. And generally, just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again, and I miss you already. Everyone's trying to get you to buy more stuff. Instead, head to StubHub so you can celebrate the season at a game or show. Take the whole family to the ballet, bang on the glass at a hockey game, or sing along with your favorite artist at a concert. StubHub has the best selection of seats for all the events you want to experience with your loved ones. And every ticket is 100% guaranteed. Get to StubHub.com or their user-friendly app today. StubHub. S-T-U-B-H-U-B. Be there. Consequence Podcast Network.